holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Arsenal Women Arsecast on Arsblog.com, the best podcast about the Arsenal women's team because it is the only podcast dedicated solely to the Arsenal women's team. Um, you're getting two episodes this week. We had one earlier this week with Rich Laberty and Catherine Ito looking back at Arsenal's ladies' domestic dominance of the 1990s and the noughties as well. Um, but Pippa and I thought that given that there's some big news in the WSL this week around the cancellation of the season, um, we thought we owed you another podcast. So that's what we've done. Pippa, welcome back. Hello. It feels like it's been ages. <laughs> how, has, how has lockdown been treating you? Well, I'm, I'm kind of, well, I'm in lockdown, but because I'm a key worker, I've been working majority of it. So it's been mm. quite an awkward, weird time for me because I feel like I'm putting my life on the line. But I still feel a sense of normality, but it's been, it's still been crazy. How about you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Th- like th- things kind of all right for me. Haven't, haven't changed hugely. Um, I've been able to spend a little bit of time at home. I'm recording this from what used to be my office, but is literally turning into a nursery around my ears. And my, my wife is literally putting something together about two yards away from me at the moment. So if you hear any like clanking in the background, that's, that's her like putting together what I think is basically a medicine drawer. Um, so yeah, my, what used to be my office now has pink curtains and a cot. Um, but there we go. There we go. Life is about to change. Anyway, without further ado, let's um, start by introducing our first guest. Uh, for this week, I guess, this month. Um, and welcome back, Susie Rack from The Guardian. Susie, thanks for joining us. Hey, both. So, Susie, we've had um, big news this week. Um, well, I don't know if it's big news, really, because we kind of knew it was coming, but um, the cancellation the, or the decision not to continue um, with the WSL season. Um, Susie, perhaps, can you just give us a bit of an outline of... Um, of, of the timeline really from from lockdown and kind of how many times roughly like the clubs have met what the kind of things that they've discussed and some of the factors that have led to this decision yeah so it's been uh, a very long drawn out process the clubs have met most weeks uh with the fa across the women's super league and the women's championship um bar a few cancellations on the fa's part here and there um and like from what I gather, it's it's kind of literally taken until last week uh, for the FA to actually finally ask the clubs to make a decision on whether to end the season or not, um, and to give their views on the various outcomes that they think should uh, should follow that. The whole way along for the past, you know, however many weeks, six to eight weeks, um, it. The, all of the meetings have been discussing various options. Um, it started at the very beginning in March with four options on the table. We restart in a couple of weeks 
option two we restart a couple of weeks after that option three we restart a couple of weeks after that and obviously option four being finally to cancel cancel the seasons and as they've worked through that that kind of program of of options amidst each deadline uh for possible restart um they've got closer and closer to that that option four without having discussed it from the beginning which just seems a little bit absurd really yeah and was and um before i kind of hand over to pippa did i mean it do you think this outcome was inevitable um you know if not from the beginning it certainly seemed like it was becoming increasingly inevitable right yeah, hundred percent. Like, uh, it's, it's it's dragged on so long that clubs and players wanted it to end, and I think that's purely because uh, of the uncertainty, contracts, that kind of thing. And so, like, you had this situation where you've got the FA saying from the very, very beginning that they've got no money to give to clubs, um, either for a restart or just just to assist them in this like unprecedented time of crisis mm. for every football club. Um, and uh, so it it had to happen that they were going to cancel the leagues because clubs just can't physically afford to stump up the couple of hundred grand that, it, that they, the FA says it will take to take to restart. So essentially you're saying, have you got £200,000 to restart? No. Okay. Do you think we should, should cancel the league then? Obviously the answer is yes. So it was almost yeah, completely sort of set up to follow that narrative. Not necessarily consciously, but mm. like the lack of ambition, I think led it that way. I know you say that it was looking inevitable for it to happen and money pretty much runs everything. But from a fan perspective, I think most fans were kind of hanging on to something. But in terms of like new online media and media in general, it felt like the buzz died down and no one was talking about women's football at all. They were literally talking about the Premier League and other big men's leagues and then the championship and all the, all the men's football was being spoken about and absolutely nothing was being covered about women's football. So... Fans were holding on to the fact that it could possibly come back. Do you think, like, what were the other factors apart from money, or is it only money that's was stopping the league? I think money is the main thing. Um, like, if like money and also like various different complicating factors around, particularly the championship, obviously being a semi-professional league. So you have got players that are on like part-time contracts. Some are key workers. Like, how do you pull them away from the front line to go and play some football and things like that? Which which are complicating factors, but they're all things that you can overcome. And I, I like completely agree. I think the buzz died down, and the focus was so on the Premier League and on the Premier League return, partly mm. because and women's football was partly like left aside because the rest of men's football was too, in a sense, you know, you kind of figure, oh, if everything's being cancelled below the Premier League, then it sort of is okay that women's football's cancelled. But then when you start seeing, you know, Germany about to restart the women's football, the NWSL in the States finding a way to put together a mini tournament uh, in, a, in a month in one state, and you suddenly think, hang on a second, have the FA massively, massively lacked ambition and just like... Uh, sidelined um, the leagues unnecessarily and I think like they, they may even end up like quite massively regretting it oh yeah that's a shame I mean I'm, I'm super gutted about it and that's from a fan perspective and as like a freelancer as well but mm. do you think the club was steered towards like, like the main clubs when I say main we don't know what's going to happen next season where like the championship teams were possibly going to come up as promotion and the likes of Liverpool probably being relegated. How will that affect the league? How, how will the season end, really? 
yeah, it's really hard to say because there, there's not that many options. So if they null and void the season, which personally for me makes the most sense because um, other than deciding the Champions League, that's obviously something that has to be decided. Like yeah. deciding who wins the Premier League when they're, sorry, the Women's Super League when they're still like 20% of games, more than 20% of games remaining yeah. and like close to 30% of championship games remaining. It just seems like grossly unfair. It's not like the Premier League where there's so many teams that you have um, like a situation where you, you sort of can decide on points per game. Like in the Women's Super League, for me, it's very much like uh, because a, the whole league can be decided, won and lost on a single game, it makes it very, very harsh to decide that kind of thing. So I think they should null and void it. I think they're most likely going to go points per game, which would mean, obviously, um, Chelsea leapfrogging City to win the league. But uh, Chelsea haven't played every team yet. So that, again, that's... That, eats away at me a little bit um, in terms of the, the big questions relegation do they relegate Liverpool and I think if you're going to promote Aston Villa you have to yeah. re- relegate Liverpool if you don't promote uh, Aston Villa you can get away with not re- relegating uh, Liverpool but for me you have to do one or the other you can't have like this double standard for either league like where you cancel it for one and have it for the other for me that just doesn't sit right at all yeah, but do you think, Susie, that's what will happen? Whether it's what it, what should happen? Um, I mean, I think we'd probably all agree that Liverpool thoroughly deserve to be relegated, um, both both on kind of sporting terms, and I think um, I think it's a scandal, really, um, the way Liverpool treat their women's team and have done for the last couple of years. Um, and I I think the club itself deserves that message as well. Um, but do you think that um, that the FA will do that, or do you think that they will kind of take the view that Liverpool is still quite a big name that they'd quite like um, to keep in the WSL, and that it would be quite convenient for them to just not do the relegation thing? Yeah, no, I think I mean I think it's highly likely. Um, I. I... I'm gathering that Liverpool are lo- lobbying really heavily behind the scenes and a lot of clubs beyond Liverpool want to keep them up um, purely for, you know, the, what, what they would add to the league. I, league. I bet they're promising everything under the sun uh, to turn mm. around their terrible treatment of the women's team to, to stay up. But like, I mean, they've promised a lot before, so who knows whether they're actually going to kind of actually materially invest in the team in the way that uh, way that they have done, you know, when they won the league and ended Arsenal's run uh, run of titles mm. back in 2013, 2014. But like, it's it's hard because I, I think it's highly likely that the FA will promote Villa, have 13 teams in WSL, which is not ideal by any stretch, mm. and leave the championship with 10 teams, which for me is a massive insult to the championship because that means 10 teams, nine-month season, you've got teams playing one home game, one league home game a month, which mm. how are those teams supposed to... Um, yes, you can, they may well promise, oh, well, we're going to promote two teams next season or whatever. But like, what message does it send about this, like, the respect shown to the championship um, if you like take their best team... Uh, and promote them and don't drop down Liverpool like you yeah I I think that's what they're going to do but for me I just think it's disgusting if they if they do do it to be honest and um you know we touched on like some of the differences between the WSL and the the championship teams and the championship is is obviously a semi-pro league and like you said a lot a lot of them work um and uh, I, I wondered maybe um 
I, I guess if like, do, do you think that, that we'll lose clubs at championship level um, over this. We've already seen in the WSL, Birmingham and Reading have furloughed their women's teams. Um, or, but then I, I saw a, a quote from Maggie Murphy um, uh, from Lewis recently, and she kind of said, you know, on, on the financial aspect for them, she said, well, to be honest, we haven't really got any money, so we haven't got any money to lose. So, do, like, do you, do you see us losing clubs at that level or – obviously this will impact clubs but do you think we'll get the ultimate you know clubs dropping out of the WSL or deciding to go down or or perhaps not being able to meet um, the kind of requirements of competing in the top two divisions it's a definite possibility I increasingly think it's like less likely purely for the reasons that you're saying that you know like like with Lewis they've got very little to lose in the first place so it doesn't make a big material difference if they um, take another little hit um but and now they've got the decision that the league is over. They've got a chance to wind up contracts and wind things down a little bit from the summer. Birmingham choosing to furlough to get them through, um, and I think I, I hope that like the the damage it will do to reputations of big men's teams will sort of keep them funding women's teams. Um, the risk is then that the independent clubs uh, struggle, but. Durham have said they're going to be fine. Lewis have said they're going to be fine. The ones, I suppose, that are at the biggest risk are the ones who don't necessarily look after their teams that well. The type likes of Crystal Palace, Charlton, um, mm. who barely look after their men's team, let alone their women's. <laughs> um, so, like, they're the bigger risks. And you could easily see one or two of those going. It's just whether... Like, I, I think none of them would want to be the first. And it's whether they keep funding until one of the others goes and then one yeah. of them goes, the other drops. But I then we if, saw... If one goes, you might see a couple, basically. Yeah, but then we saw Fylde, right, who right at the beginning of all of this kind of, um, you know, uh, cut their women's team off. But this week they've announced that they're bringing their women's team back, albeit I think at, at quite a reduced uh, kind of capacity. So, and and that actually surprised me just because... Um, I'm sure Fylde knew that there would be some attention, but it strikes me that they're not really a big enough club that that, that, that they couldn't ride it out. So w- were you surprised to see them kind of resurrect? Oh, 100%, yeah. I mean, I, like, from what I gather, the since Fylde took over the club, um, it's been a mess from start to finish. So I'm not overly surprised by the U-turn and the um, the kind of, saving face exercise but yeah their budget is taking a massive cut and I think that's that's more likely what we'll see in the in the top leagues is budgets taking a big hit particularly at the championship clubs because um I mean you had one agent uh put it out the other day that they think uh some budgets are being cut by 70 percent things like that so um players are going to be hit quite massively with um you know kind of back smaller if any contracts for those that are out of contracts and things so that's that. If anything, is the bigger worry—the fact that it's going to hit the players as individuals—and you're going to probably see a whole wave of players fall out of the game, rather than necessarily clubs going under, because they might, in theory, the club can stay afloat without any players until the season starts and then sign a load of people. So, yeah, it's. I think that's the bigger worry—is that you know, in the same way that filed screwed over a load of players, cut them all loose and suddenly is taking players back but on a massively reduced income, uh, probably not getting any, if any, expenses 
um, is an indication of the way things might go, that clubs will mm. just wind everything back significantly rather than fold. Yeah. I mean, I'm not an expert on budgets, wages and contracts in the women's game. Uh, what do you, do you think, like, the, is it safe to say that teams such as like Man United and Spurs who are fairly new to the WSL are, are safe? Like, are these clubs, I know they're very big clubs if we're looking at their counterparts, the men's teams. Are, are we safe to say that all the teams that are in the WSL now will still be there next season? Or I think, could we, I think could we so. Be, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think apart from, um, I mean, well, Birmingham have furloughed all their players, so that will help yeah. them. But they, they were, for me, the biggest risk. Them and Bristol City um, are the two that kind of you think could struggle most financially. I think, you know, clubs like Man United, Tottenham, They'll be okay. The only question is, is obviously they're very, very new to commitment to their women's teams. And it's like, how much will that hold up when the clubs are losing tens, if not hundreds of millions uh, from the men's side? That Mm -hmm. said, their women's budgets are so low in comparison that you'd Mm -hmm. like to think that they just would not dare touch them but they might not grow the budgets that's the thing is whereas last week like if this hadn't happened they would likely be investing a, you know an extra million yeah. or so in their teams okay. i doubt we'll see that i reckon it's probably going to be like static budgets for uh most of the teams at the top um bar maybe city and chelsea um and possibly arsenal although you never really know either um yeah. So that's that's what I think will happen with United and Spurs is that you'll get a few key signings, maybe particularly at United, but budget wise, I don't think things will change much. More importantly, let's let's talk about Arsenal a bit. You mentioned earlier that you you believe that this this season should be null and void. I, I have to ask, like, what happens to our Champions League place was in the quarterfinals? Oh, it's really hard, isn't it? Because like. Every formula you do and Arsenal don't get Champions League. But the problem Mm. for me and the reason why I say null and void is because no formulation is fair on the basis that only uh, 71.9% of games have been played. Mm. (laughs) Nothing can get you past that. And every, like, Chelsea have not played Everton yet. And Everton have been having a, you know, a fantastic season, their best Mm. season in years. So the idea that you can hand Champions League or the title or whatever to a club that hasn't even played every team in the league, including one of them that is really fighting for a top five or top four spot. Yeah. Like, I just don't see how that could be justified. What I think makes the most sense for me is I, I can't see how UEFA are going to be able to run proper qualifying. So why not bring it forward a little bit and give uh, the, the plans to expand the Champions League and give a third qualif- uh, at least a qualifying place to leagues like um, uh, like the Women's Super League and like uh, the uh, Spanish League who have ended and like not kind of cut anyone that is still in that fight adrift in a sense. Obviously then that affects some of the clubs in countries sort of lower down the, the rankings overall but I just I think it's so so harsh if a club that is still in the Champions League mm-hmm. um, and you know fighting it out potentially to be in that competition to not then get it on the basis of a seventy one point nine percent complete season uh, would be extremely difficult to take extremely difficult. 
from yeah. an Arsenal fan's point of view. <laughs> and I mean, on so my my I guess my uh, prediction on this, and I I will say that I'm I'm speculating. I don't have any inside information on this. I do think that Arsenal. So I think they'll go for points per game which means Arsenal will finish third. But I think Arsenal will be able to argue their way in to the qualifying round because, I mean, as you say, they're expanding the Women's Champions League in 2021 anyway. Um, But when you look at that last eight of the Champions League, the other seven teams in there alongside Arsenal are either already qualified or the two German teams um, are going to get the chance to qualify properly. Arsenal yeah. are the only ones in the last eight who are vulnerable here to being denied two avenues into the Champions League. So I think that they'd be able to make a fairly decent representation to UEFA mm-hmm. um, on on that basis. Uh, so I, I guess that's that's just my prediction. Um, d- b- before we let you go, Susie, I, th- I suppose just I wanted to give you the chance. I mean, I I, I think you've covered a lot of this. Um, already but you wrote a really good piece uh, this week in the Guardian kind of um, a a bit of a rant I guess um, about Mm -hmm. the cancellation of the WSL and we've got Ellen Hanisch in the in the second half of the show and she kind of explained that in Germany even though the setup is the same there that the German FA runs the Frauen Bundesliga and not the Bundesliga which is a separate organization like the Premier League um, the Bundesliga clubs made solidarity payments to make sure that the Frauen Bundesliga could take place. And, um, you know, we've got the Danish league coming back as well. So it's not just the NWSL, you know, we've got, and I know the situation coronavirus varies from country to country, but the Danish league is coming back. Like how bad do you think this looks on, on, you know, English football and I guess England's commitment to women's football that, the WSL has kind of been mothballed this way. I I increasingly think it looks p- particularly horrific for a, a country that has really uh, and a, a football association that has really claimed to be for all and uh, championed women's football and invested so heavily in women's football that when push has come to shove financially uh where there's a chance to you know ask for a little bit more from the premier league or from premier league clubs or or find find a way to come together as a football community that it it hasn't and the fa has shirked away from putting any pressure from like i don't know for sure maybe they have applied pressure but the the everything suggests that, that that's just never ever been on the cards and the idea that you you fight to have the very, very top flight come back and not the whole of professional football and you don't see the whole of professional pulling together in the way that Germany has because it's not just the women's team they're supporting, they're supporting the Bundesliga 3 as well. So mm. all of um, uh, German football pulling in to keep the game afloat and recognising that that's for the benefit of the whole game and for those clubs ultimately in the future for me is just um, really, really staggering. And the, 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 the thing that really, really kind of... Um, kind of gets me frustrated is that the FA haven't offered a single penny to clubs like not not even a little bit to help them kind of get through the few months even with the league ending just to help them out in this like time of unprecedented crisis and I think it's that there's this idea that everything has to be fair and equal and obviously we don't want to give money to say Arsenal City or Chelsea Man United um, when they don't need it mm. and 
then give money, you know, in order so that we can give money to championship clubs or Reading or um, Bristol City or Birmingham or whatever. And like the the German method shows that that's rubbish because they're it's the top te- it's top four clubs donating money for the rest of of, of the teams and then waiving uh, their portion of it if they've got a women's team or a second team in the Bundesliga three and like. I think the FA seem to have just lost the difference between equity and equality and mm. doing what is fair rather than what is necessarily equal uh, sometimes makes a bit of sense. I just wish, I, I think they're going to, I just, like I said uh, earlier, I think they're going to massively, massively regret this decision because um, even if they had delayed coming back a little bit further, but had definitely said we are coming back, um, and we are going to find a way to do this and we are going to help clubs uh, find the total of what 4.6 million um, to be able to do it then uh, they would have um, they, they would have built some real momentum I mean the, the NWSL are potentially going to fund their entire tournament through new sponsorship mm. like that's just incredible <laughs> the idea that the WSL couldn't have got a whole new load of sponsorship in if it was going to do something a mini tournament or finish uh like you know restart and finish within a month or something you know it's just uh really short-sighted and i think like the fa is just one gift that never gets returned trick question it's three gifts beer wine and spirits and with drizzly you can send the gift of drinks right to your loved one's doors Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and holiday spirits, then get them delivered right to that lucky someone's door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code JINGLE at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. This holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Often too scared to take risks because they're scared of failure and sometimes you have to take risks to actually grow and also make a statement about how much you care about women's football as well so Mm. yeah I think it's going to be massively massively regretted Pippa any other questions from you in closing you've um, you've kept us up to date and you've covered pretty much everything that I was wondering in this crazy time that we're going through right now (laughs) so I appreciate it And in which case, and, and you know, Susie, talking about the Bundesliga there, that, that leads us on nicely to the second part of the show where I speak to Ellen Hanisch um, about the resumption of the Frauen Bundesliga um, this week, actually on Friday evening. So stay tuned for that coming up in part two. OK, welcome back. And this is the part of the show where we expose my complete lack of understanding of the German language. Um, the WSL might be over for the season now, but the Frauen Bundesliga will play on, starting with a full round of fixtures this weekend. And joining me to discuss uh, the situation in Germany and give us a bit of an entry-level overview of the Frauen Bundesliga is Ellen Hanisch from the FUF podcast. Ellen, welcome. Okay. 
Welcome, uh, not welcome. Uh, thank you for the invitation. <laughs> uh, I have to switch to to English, and um, yes, um, yeah. Um, maybe I can just tell you what Friff means because please do. It might sound a bit weird to your uh, <laughs> to, to to your listeners as well. It, it's um, it's the full name is Frauen reden über Fußball, and it just means women talk about football. So okay. We are big group of women talking about men's football and women's football. Okay, excellent. And, I, and I'm glad that I left you to say that rather than me. Um, so to, to kind of kick off, um, you know, as we know, uh, by now the WSL hasn't been able to restart. They've cancelled the season and at the time of recording, they're still re uh, deciding how to kind of finalise the table. Um, but the Frauen Bundesliga has been able to restart like the Bundesliga, uh, the men's league as well, which is starting this weekend. Um, how come the Frauen Bundesliga has been able to restart, um, perhaps where in England we haven't been able to? What are, the, what are the kind of main factors that have meant that it's been able to go ahead? Mm, it, it took a bit longer than the men's Bundesliga to, to get the permission to, um, to start. Um, so I think... Um, I think maybe the I was quite surprised in, in the beginning um, that it um, yeah that it will or that it is treated the same as the men's Bundesliga and um, yeah I don't know I think the lobby the the lobby um, is is more or is is a bit stronger as I mm. expected. So it, it was. It was about. I think the the the, um, the teams, mm. the teams decided to um, yeah to continue the season. Um, one team wasn't sure or didn't um, didn't give a vote. There was um, uh, Köln, Cologne, but the other teams um, wanted to wanted to finish the season, and they um, they put a lot of pressure um, on the people who. Um, had to decide it. Mm. So I think they did a they did a good job in in yeah just talking and making sure that nobody forgets about um the women the women. Yeah and and one of the things I, I read as well I guess one of the issues we've got with the WSL in England is that it's run by the FA and not the Premier League. Um, and we have the same thing in Germany. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. our well, FA is um yeah, is running the women's Bundesliga. So and and um, also the third division of men. Mm. So yeah. And and is it right that the Bundesliga clubs though made like a solidarity payment um, for the for the from Bundesliga? Is that right? Mm -hmm. They did, um, but it's not it's not only for from Bundesliga. It's also for um, the third uh, men's third division. Mm. Because they they are yeah I don't know if they are seen to be as on the same level I don't know, um, but it's it's only to yeah to give them the opportunity or to, to yeah to make them capable of doing the corona tests and mm. um, yeah staying they have to stay in in yeah in hotels and they mm -hmm. yeah in, in in a kind of um, team quarantine thing and um, the clubs can't uh, most of the clubs um, can't pay that for I don't mm. know for a month or something 
Yeah, yeah. And I, and I think that speaks to, um, you know, what certainly from our perspective in England that in Germany, the football culture is perhaps a little bit more kind of um, a bit more civic minded. So obviously, like in, in men's football, there's the 50 plus one rule in Germany, which kind of means that the fan culture is is much more central and and whereas you know in in England for example the FA have obviously decided that they don't have enough money um, to pay a kind of a a solidarity payment and the Premier League is just not involved in the WSL so I mean I I guess and I know the German model is not perfect um, and that there are issues but do, do you think that that's a real source of pride that perhaps that, that in Germany that clubs have done this have made the solidarity payment have made sure that the women's teams like is, is this recognized as something to be proud of in Germany or do you just see it as um, as, as something that should just happen as business as usual yeah it's, it's a good question because it, from my perspective it's just yeah of course um, of course uh, they have to do it because it's the F, it's our FA, the DFB. They have to to make sure that the women's teams get get the support they need. But to hear it um, from your perspective, um, it kind of makes me proud. I don't know. I wasn't proud before. I, I was just like, yeah, okay. Um, it's nice. It's nice to have, but it's not a lot of money, mm-hmm. and it's only to to make sure that everything can be done. And it's also, um, I mean, they also support the um, men's third division. So. Yeah, yeah. And and just um, really basically, so the Fram Bundesliga um, will start, by the time people are listening to this, some of the games might have happened because it starts on Friday. Um, what kind of time frame are we looking at for the season? How many games are there to go? And when is it looking like it will finish? Um, I, there are only six games left, and they want uh, they want to do. Uh, that's also funny. We call that English weeks, English English uh, Wochen. <laughs> <laughs> so if you if you squeeze um, a lot of games in a in a tiny time fracture, <laughs> fracture so that's um, yeah English weeks. <laughs> so I think they will finish until the end of June. Mm-hmm. They plan to finish until the end of June, so it will start on Friday with two games. And um, yeah, then on, on Saturday, and then it will be. I think it will be something Wednesday and then weekend and Wednesday weekend mm. in this um, rhythm. And they also want to finish the cup. Yep. So yeah. and a lot of games in a. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and as you say, in England, we're probably a bit more used to that. Um, but is is you know the kind of trying to get it finished by the end of June. I gather in Germany, it's the same as in England in women's football, where most contracts are for one or two years and they finish yeah. at the end of June. Does does that feel like a real driver for this? I don't know. Um, it, it, it wasn't really mentioned anywhere. Well, not, not, as, uh, not in the official statements, at least. And I think a lot of the deals are already done because mm-hmm. I, I don't know it's that's that's something women's football special I think that yep. deals are do, uh, are getting done very very early um yeah so yeah. I, I think it, it 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 was it has 
something to do with it because it's 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 also it, it, I mean it's the same for men's football as well. The end of June. And um, you spoke about uh, FC Köln not not voting. I mean, I gather they're they're in the relegation um, battle, mm-hmm. which might explain why they didn't vote. But has has there been any kind of any I guess protest over this, or any are there, are there any players or clubs that are expressing concern about this or don't want to do it? Uh, yes, um, there's um, yeah, Jena. They they are in a even more desperate situation than Cologne could um, because they they are um, in a yeah in a federal state uh, in a federal state that doesn't or hasn't allowed team tra- um, training yet team practice yet um, so they they still haven't had any practice with the whole team mm. and now they should just play and um players of of jena um yeah did a, a social media protest uh, thingy so they they tagged the dfb accounts uh, our fa accounts and they um said why n- nobody asked us nobody asked about uh, our situation we we have jobs we we mm. study we we can't just um disappear for one month in, in a hotel Mm. Uh, who's going to pay that? Uh, who's going to pay us? We can't just leave uh, our jobs. And um, and also um, um, some yeah some club officials um, are very concerned about injuries because mm-hmm. they weren't able to to um, practice to to practice um, intense intensively. So mm. yeah, yeah. And and do you think um, perhaps? A, a bit of a driver for I guess to overlook their concerns is is the fact that um Yenna really really look like they're going to get relegated do you think that had any influence behind perhaps the the, the decision to kind of not ignore think... their protests but well yeah ignore their protests yeah um yeah I don't know it's 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 Jena has has a special situation because they we have the federal state system in, in Germany. So every federal with Corona now, every federal state has different rules for Corona. So it's a bit of a yeah of a mess. I don't know. We are used to it because um, it, it, I don't want to get into politics, but it happens <laughs> with everything. Um, so, um, but um, yeah, Jena. It, it it's yeah it's hard for them i mean it's hard because they they will get relegated i mean it's highly possible that they will anyway and now it's even i mean how just imagine how to motivate for yeah. the rest of the season when you know okay uh, we will get relegated anyway so we are not allowed to practice yeah um, we expressed our concern um, via social media, and the only reaction uh, we got was, "Yeah, just um, just go to another federal state for practice." Then <laughs> <laughs> they can't. That's the problem. They can't just leave. They are not. They they don't have. I mean, they don't live um, from playing football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's also, um, it's um, Hoffenheim's. That's quite interesting. Um, Hoffenheim's coach. Hoffenheim is quite of the, I don't know, the surprise team of the season. So they are challenge, challenge, 
challenging um, Bayern um, for a Champions League um, rank, um, and their coach can't um, participate because okay. he, he is a teacher. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's really, and, and I think um, that some of the barriers to the WSL restarting, for example, we've got two teams whose players are furloughed. Um, so the, that's a kind of scheme in the UK where uh, the government pay 80% of your of your salary while you're kind of temporarily made redundant. And, and one of the big things over here was like Birmingham and Reading are mid table. They've been able to furlough their team. They don't want to bring them back um, when they've got nothing to play for and the games are going to be behind closed doors. So I, I think, mm-hmm. you know, there's, they, they don't want to take their players off furlough for, for really no reason when they haven't got the money at the moment. So these are some of the barriers we haven't been able to overcome here. You, you kind of, you mentioned Hoffenheim there and that, that's a subject I wanted to come on to really because one of the big games from this weekend is um, Bayern versus Hoffenheim, um, which is, you know, one of the games of the season, right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. So. Yeah. So they're, they're kind of vying for that, that second Champions League qualification spot. And so how, how come, um, because we know that kind of Wolfsburg are the, are the big team at the moment and usually Bayern, you know, they, they've won it once or twice, but usually Bayern end up in, in second. So what is it about Hoffenheim that was a surprise and, and what have they like what's 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 happened with Hoffenheim's season to make them such a surprise package? Uh, I think it, it it started last season. They were quite good last season as well, and that was um, also a surprise <laughs> to to uh, most people. To to yeah, it was a surprise of the season, and they just continued to to play that well. And they are, um, I think, Hoffenheim. Um, they have a um, good um, yeah, practice environment. Mm. And also they didn't really have much um, new players or many new players. Um, so they just stayed as one team. And they, they have young players as well, um, young players who have, have played in Hoffenheim for a long time mm. uh, in their youth. So they, they do, do good work. And, um, and and what about Bayern as well? I um, I watched uh, Bayern Munich quite a lot at the end of last season when I discovered that Arsenal were signing half of their team. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I was doing a bit of scouting and, and obviously they had a lot of turnover. I mean, half their team came to Arsenal. Um, they had other players, kind of big players leaving like Gina Lewandowski. They had a new manager. What about Bayern's season this season? It's obviously been a big transition for them, but have they under-delivered or have they done about what people expected? That's a tricky question <laughs> because they they took over half of Freiburg's team, including mm-hmm. their coach. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> And they did it before, and maybe half of half of um, yeah half of this team will end up uh, with Arsenal in the future. <laughs> I don't know, but um, yeah, they they under under delivered, underperformed. I don't know. Um, there were yeah high expectations because they have a great great team. Just look at them. Look at their bench. I don't know, um, but they they play. I don't. It's it's just not. It, it, 
it's not a joy to watch them play. Yeah. Or, yeah, three months ago, I can't remember. But it wasn't, it wasn't really, I, I didn't really watch um, their games with pleasure. And um, they're, they're about to lose another player, a big player to the, uh, to the WSL with uh, Melanie Leupoltz. Um I've probably pronounced that horribly as well. And oh. th- I mean, this being an Arsenal podcast, I, d- I don't want to depress our listeners too much because obviously Chelsea are, are kind of big rivals for us and team we traditionally fight for the league with. But that, that's a really good signing for Chelsea, isn't it? Yeah, that's... that's um really good signing she's um i it's, it, she's one of my favorite players also in in the national team because mm. i mean she she she's a very i mean she's a midfielder and um, but she can yeah, she just orchestrates the game but in a um in a defensive way Mm. And she's so. Um, I mean, that, that's just my personal preference. I like um, players who play hard and uh, challenging, and yeah, that's her. So it's a, it's a big, big uh, lose for for Bayern as well. So that's and and that's we're a, we're seeing <laughs> yeah yeah and and you know we're we're seeing um, I, I think we're seeing quite a lot of players kind of going um, from Germany to to the WSL at the moment and um, but but one player that went in the other direction was uh, Dominic Bloodworth uh, who left Arsenal last summer to return to Germany uh, to Wolfsburg um, how's how's Dominic Bloodworth and she's someone who's still very highly rated and um, but kind of very, very liked by Arsenal fans. How's Dominic Bloodworth been doing at, at Wolfsburg? She's been doing great. She she's one of the the key, the key players, um, and it, it's quite interesting because I I didn't really know her in the beginning. I mean, I had I, I know I knew she was playing for the Netherlands, and but I I didn't really um, follow um, yeah Arsenal or um, um, your league. Um, during uh, that time, and uh, she she is just she's a great player. She she has um, she has yeah she has had uh, a big impact um, on the game already. Yeah, and that's yeah that's definitely what what I've been hearing. And I and I think um, you know I spoke to her at the end of last season just before she left, and I, I think she's kind of very happy in Germany, having played there before, and and she feels very at home there um just just as a final question um a, a transfer that might go in the other direction actually from from Wolfsburg to Arsenal um Arsenal have um definitely been in contact around uh, the Swiss defender Noel Maritz um and I, my understanding is that there's a good chance that that's going to happen what, what can you tell us about uh, about Noel Maritz in the event that she does come to Arsenal next season mm. She is, she's a, a player. That's that's also interesting because I I never really knew how old she was, and when I got, I, I still don't know. It. I forgot forgot about it. But when when I I don't know. So I heard um, I heard her being I don't know in the beginning of her twenties, and I was so surprised because I thought, oh no, she she's so good and so. Um, yeah, just so um, constant. I don't know if you, if you mm. say it like that, but um, she she's she's just uh, running and running and running and doing um, her things, and it, it, it she just appears as if she is um, older. 
mm. and more experienced. And so it's it's a it's a good signing. I don't know. I don't really know why Wolfsburg. I th- I'm not sure um, if Wolfsburg didn't want to to keep her or if she just wanted to go. I and in terms of her kind of position, because Joe like we've had Joe Montemoro long enough now to know the kind of player he likes and what he likes is he likes a small squad, but with players who can play in lots of different positions. Um, do, do you think Noel Maritz fits that kind of, that, that kind of mold, I guess? I think so. Yes. Uh, I, I, I think she, she can play, she can play as a de- defensive player. Mm-hmm. She can play as, everywhere almost everywhere okay that that yeah, yeah. i mean it's, it's kind of the same with wolfsburg they they have um i mean they have their their team and their, their usual team but they they have a lot of lot of flexibility in their team as well mm. yeah and and that's something that that dominic bloodworth was very good at as well because she can play all across the back line or defensive midfield yeah. and yeah another another very uh, joe montemoro player so well we'll wait and see if um that transfer happens but in the meantime ellen thanks so much for joining the show today thank you it was fun <laughs> And I really love to talk to be able to talk about football again. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. And I'm I'm really looking forward to 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 watching some from Bundesliga until the end of the season. For listeners in the UK, the games will be shown live on BBC Alba. Um, I believe that's going to have Gaelic commentary with English COCOM, so that might be interesting. Um, and and that coverage will start with that massive game between Bayern and Hoffenheim. Um, at 12 noon UK time on Saturday. So do tune in for that. Um, And if you want to know anything more about um, uh, the Frauen Bundesliga and the Bundesliga, then do tune in to the FUF. Is it FUF, Ellen? FUF. FUF podcast. Um, Assuming your command of German is better than mine. Thanks very much. Thank you. And that's all we have time for on this month's episode of the Arsenal Women Arsecast. Big thanks to our guest Susie Rack from The Guardian and Ellen Hanish. And I will not attempt to pronounce the name of her podcast again. Uh, and really, really great to have Pippa back as well. She's been very, very busy over the last couple of months. As she said, she's a key worker. She's got two sons and she's been putting out content as well I don't know how she's found enough hours in the day but hopefully her schedule will return to something approaching normality in the coming weeks and we'll be able to have her back on the podcast on a more regular basis but in the meantime thank you so much for listening and we'll be back next month with another episode of the Arsenal Women Arsecast season treat yourself treat yourself to candy 
celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply.